What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sean Jones NBA Show. I'm recording this on uh, Tuesday night, November 8th. There's no games on tonight, but uh, we are about 10-ish games or so into the season for most teams. Uh, And despite being very early into the year, there certainly has not been a shortage of headlines, particularly when it comes to the team in Brooklyn. So um, on this one, we're just going to talk about the demise of the Nets, how they got to the less than ideal situation they're in now, and what I should think that they should do moving forward to maybe get out of it. So let's go ahead and get started with a deep dive into... A timeline for this Brooklyn Nets team and how they got to where they are so everyone knows of the infamous or famous depending on if you ask a Boston fan um, but trade with the Celtics um, back in 2013 I believe it was uh, when they acquired Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett two players that were well past their prime um, for a really just a ton of draft capital from the Nets that would be going to Boston. Among those draft picks uh, turned into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So pretty brutal trade uh, for the Nets. But that experiment with the, that veteran team alongside Darren Williams, uh, Joe Johnson, and Brooke Lopez was... Pretty much a failure. They only won one playoff series uh, before getting swept in the second round by the LeBron James-led Miami Heat. Um, and then it was really just a, a tailspin from there. By the time it was 2016, they were losing 60 games. 2017, they lost 60 games again. Um, 2018, they made a little bit of progress, winning 28 um, and only losing 54 games, but still among the bottom feeders in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but 2019 is where things started to take a turn. Uh, they had made a a lot of good moves um, based on where they were, just with the lack of draft capital, um, not only to potentially trade, but to, to use themselves. Um, and it's not like they were necessarily a destination, <laughs> given how, how bad the team was for free agents. So... Um, but they were able to make a number of good moves based on what they had. They uh, took on some bad salaries, like Timofey Mozgov, uh, were able to get D'Angelo Russell alongside him for taking on that salary. Uh, they took a flyer on some overpaid, uh, underperforming guys like Alan Crabb. Uh, they made some good picks with the ones they did have, like Jared Allen, um, going 22nd overall in the 2017 draft. Um, and then they really found some diamonds in the rough with a few guys, guys like Joe Harris and Spencer Dinwiddie, who were second round picks that um, either had injuries or just didn't really stick with the teams that they uh, were drafted to, um, were en- ended up being waived. Uh, the Nets then signed them and then developed them into really nice NBA players. Um, neither of those guys are stars, obviously, but... Dinwiddie is, I mean, arguably the second best player on a, a team that made the Western Conference Finals last year. Um, and then Joe Harris, we've seen how good of a shooter he is and how much he can help contribute to a winning team just with the last few seasons with the Nets. So, um, And then a guy like Karis LeVert, who they traded for on draft day, 
Uh, he was a mid to late first round pick as well that they were able to acquire um, I, for a few second round picks, I believe. But Levert had major injury uh, problems, uh, which is why he slipped a little bit, uh, despite being very talented coming out of school for Michigan. Um, but yeah, that, that was really their young core. Um, in that 2018-2019 season, they pretty unexpectedly go 42-40, and 40, which in a really weak uh, Eastern Conference that year was good enough for the sixth seed actually, um, which is <laughs> crazy when you think about how how deep uh, not only just the East but the league is right now forty two and forty with a team led by D'Angelo Russell <laughs> certainly not getting you um, a six seed uh, in today's NBA but regardless that was really their core of young players D'Lo. Uh, Dinwiddie, Lavert, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, and then they had a number of veteran players that um, got some minutes as well, but were more there for um, leadership and um, other things. But uh, Jared Dudley, Damari Carroll, just to name a few. Um, not surprisingly, this team ends up losing in five in the first round. Um, they clearly were not a super talented team. They were overmatched, losing to the 76ers. Um, with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and uh, whatnot. I believe that's even the that was the Jimmy Butler Sixers team too. So they were really good. Um, but coming off of that season, um, yeah, they were on the, the up and ups. I mean, it was uh, they were one of the more appealing young teams, but not so much for their talent, but for the culture they had built. Uh, Kenny Atkinson was viewed as one of the up and coming young coaches in the league. Uh, they had the talent, um, the culture, like I said, and so they were becoming a free agent draw. So that led to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, who had been rumored to be a package deal, um, looking at a few different teams, but they ended up signing with the Nets um, on June 30th of 2019. Um, and along as part of that deal, they ended up doing a sign-and-trade of D'Angelo Russell, who was a restricted free agent to the Warriors as well. Um I can't quite remember if that was uh, they had to do that for salary purposes. I don't think so. I think it was more of a um, fit thing with Kyrie. I believe they signed him, and it was initially reported D'Lo could still stay, but um, they end up trading him to the Warriors because um, as sort of like a favor to the <laughs> the Warriors for um, the, for getting them Kevin Durant, basically. Um, but yeah, then heading into the next season, the 2019-2020 season, obviously Durant uh, had the Achilles injury during the 2019 final. So we knew going into it that he was going to be out the entire season. But on paper, the Nets should have still been better than the year before just because they had pretty much the exact same team except subbing in Kyrie Irving for D'Angelo Russell. Um, and Kyrie Irving is obviously... A better player than D'Angelo Russell pretty much in every aspect of the game and then the rest of the guys are young so on paper they should get a little bit better as well uh, we saw a little bit of leap from guys like Dinwiddie and Levert um, both of them averaging um, 19 points a game or more but the problem here is that Kyrie ended up only playing 20 games that season due to um, injuries which we've seen him have injury problems in the past. So um, because of that, the Nets, they still weren't awful. They did make the playoffs um, as a seven seed, but they had a slightly worse record of 35 and 37. So two games below 500 as opposed to 
being two games above 500 the year before. But um, big milestone of this season was March 7th of 2020 when Kenny Atkinson was pretty unexpectedly fired. Um, a lot of people thought it was a weird move, if not a bad move. He was very well respected across the league. Um, and we've seen him get looks for head coaching gigs since then. Um, but a lot of people think this stemmed from his refusal to start DeAndre Jordan over Jared Allen, um, <laughs> which clearly was a good decision by him um, based on <laughs> watching these two guys actually play basketball. Um, but I think a big reason for why people suspected that is if you actually look at this, the lineups, the game directly after he was fired. Well, Atkinson had been starting Jared Allen all year. Um, he'd started pretty much every game to that point. Um, and DeAndre Jordan had only a few starts, and they were more spot starts for Allen when he was not playing. But <laughs> Jordan immediately started the next two games after the firing, which makes you think um, if maybe that had something to do with it. We know that he was part of the package deal with Durant as well. But who knows? Uh, all speculation on that front. But I know two games sounds like not a big sample size, but that is because there was only two games played until the uh, pandemic hit and the season actually shut down. So he probably would have kept starting. But then we get to, after the hiatus, July 31st, 2020. That is the next first game in the bubble. Um, and Kyrie's had quite a bit of time to rehab at this point. Not, But not only is he not playing still... Uh, he doesn't even join the team in the bubble. He just completely um, <laughs> declines, which is interesting why he would do that. Um, I think knowing what we know now, not overly surprising, but certainly not a good veteran move if you're trying to set an example for your young team. But uh, regardless, this team was extremely <laughs> depleted at this point. Um, I believe Dinwiddie was out for the year. Kyrie wasn't playing. Durant was still not playing. Um, so their lineup, they were still a playoff team. Uh, they got swept pretty badly, but they were starting Lavert at point guard, who's clearly not even a point guard. Uh, <laughs> Garrett Temple was starting for them in the playoffs, who's pretty much the poster boy for who he play for, <laughs> the, the segment they do on the um, Inside the NBA show. Uh, and then Joe Harris, Jared Allen, and then uh, Redians. I, th I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Curricks. Um, it was like a white shooter guy, um, foreign guy that they had for a little bit. But, um, yeah, their season ends not unexpectedly, um, getting swept by the Raptors. And then they leave the bubble uh, until the next season. But uh, before the next season starts uh, on September 3rd, 2020, Steve Nash is a little bit unexpectedly hired. Um, he had zero coaching experience whatsoever going into this, even as an assistant. Uh, he had been, I think, a consultant for the Warriors, uh, whatever that <laughs> means or entails. But regardless, he was a two-time MVP, one of the greatest basketball minds we have seen um, from an offensive standpoint. He was part of the run-and-gun sons that really changed uh, the league in terms of uh, shot selection and <laughs> how quickly teams shoot and just offense as a whole. So I think a lot of people had thought Nash would end up being a good coach down the road, but I think it was definitely a little surprising given he hadn't even had a assistant role to that point. 
But as we go into the next season with Nash at the helm, on December 22nd, 2020, Durant makes his debut with the Nets finally, and they cruise to a victory over the Warriors and look really good. Um, and I, I remember watching that game and being like, maybe we underestimated how good this team could be. They've got uh, one of the three best players in the world, along with an, another all-star, and just a lot of young depth pieces um, between Lavert, Dinwiddie, Allen. Um, there was just a lot to like about this team overall, um, given where they were, and they had been very solid defensively over the past few seasons as well. But uh, as the season goes on, they're still uh, they're having a good year. But then on January 7th, 2021, Kyrie Irving uh, steps away from the team for personal reasons. This was definitely strange because the quotes coming from the team between Nash and Sean Marks, they really had no idea. Uh, what his personal reasons were um, they <laughs> it was just as confusing to them as it was to everybody else how he can just step away and decide he's not working or not playing however you want to frame it but it was strange uh, given that he was away from the team and all of the James Harden rumors that have been going on the Nets decided to pull the trigger on a James Harden trade on January 13th. So just six days after Kyrie uh, stepped away from the team. And that trade was Harden for Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Kurix, Toreen Prince, three first-round picks, and four pick swaps. So they pretty much trade their entire, um, or all the depth they have to go all in on this three-headed monster um, of Kyrie, Harden, and KD. And at the time, with Kyrie not being with the team, there were talks that he could even be in the deal and then they could keep some of the depth. But then Houston, I think, didn't want Kyrie, and so they decided to um, go the um, picks and depth route instead. But regardless, there they were, Harden essentially being a upgraded version of Kyrie until he was back. Um, and then on the 15th of January, so just two days later, Kyrie actually gets fined $50,000 for breaking COVID protocol because he's seen at a birthday party while away from the team. So not only is he away from the team with no, not even a bad explanation, but no explanation, he's then caught on video um, at a birthday party uh, breaking COVID protocol, so not a good look. But then finally, he returns to the team uh, January 20th of 2021. Their big three makes their debut. Uh, I remember watching that game. Uh, it, <laughs> it was against Cleveland, I believe, and they actually did lose in overtime, uh, which was a fun Colin Sexton game, I believe. He, <laughs> he took over late. But was still fun to watch uh, that team, those three together. Um, and they were uh, humming along, playing well with the three of them until February 5th of 2021. This is when Kevin Durant suffers a hamstring injury. He at first misses three games, um, but he comes back too soon, uh, re-aggravates it, and then is ends up missing the next 23 straight games. And then as we get to March 31st, Harden... Uh, suffers a hamstring injury of his own 
and he ends up only playing three more games before the playoffs. Um, Durant does end up coming back before the end of the year, though, so the Nets overall still end up with a two-seed and a 48-24 record, which is good for a 55-win pace in a, a standard 82-game season. Um, so they were in a good spot. They end up dominating Boston in five in round one. I believe Boston didn't have Jalen Brown, so they were a little undermanned. But that series was not close. It took a 50-point game out of Tatum just to even win one game. Um, so then they're on to the next round against the Bucks. Here they, uh, in game one, less than one minute into the series, Harden re-injures his hamstring and uh, leaves the game. Uh, the Nets still end up winning game one and game two anyway. Um, they very, very nearly win game three. That was an ugly game, but um, the Bucks did sneak that out. And then midway through game four, Kyrie uh, comes down on someone's foot and turns his ankle, um, and he doesn't return. So now they're without Kyrie or Harden. They've traded away all their depth. Um, so then game five, series tied 2-2. Harden actually does end up ret uh, returning, but he is a shell of himself. He's basically a decoy, but he somehow plays 45 minutes <laughs> in the game. He goes one for 10 with five points, but this was the uh, Kevin Durant masterpiece 49-point game. Played every single minute, all 48, um, and the Nets end up uh, going up 3-2. <laughs> then the Bucks end up winning game six at home pretty comfortably before game seven where we all know what happened in this one as Durant is inches away from winning uh, the season, the series with his foot on the line that ends up being a two-pointer. So then they go to overtime um, and the Bucks win it there. So that ends their season. Not too much uh, drama going on after that. It seemed like the Nets um, had a lot of good, good things going for them at that point. They... This was a really good Nets team, and I'll be honest, I think that if not for the injuries to both Kyrie and Harden, they probably would have won the whole thing. And even if just one of them gets hurt, I think they probably still beat the Bucks, and then probably beat the Hawks after that. And then they would have had a chance against the Suns with two of their big three. Uh, with, with all three, I think they're clearly the favorite over Phoenix in that series. But um, would have been a good series with even just two of them. But... So what happens? Injuries happen. We've seen it um, a number of times, even just over the past five years or so. So, But then going into the next season, everything seems to be going smooth until Kyrie Irving pretty publicly refuses to get the vaccine, claiming to be a voice for the voiceless, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> and so on October 12th of 2021, the team announces that Kyrie will not be playing uh, in the upcoming season because of the laws in place that prevent him from playing home games, but they refuse to let him be a part-time player. And so he will be sitting out until something changes, whether that be him getting the vaccine or the law changing. Um, but they didn't want a part-time player, which makes sense. Uh, we've seen continuity be a major issue for this team, uh, not only this team, but a number of teams. And it, Typically, it doesn't go too well without um, at least some level of continuity. So, But then uh, <laughs> the Nets get hit with a awful, awful COVID outbreak. I think the majority of their team was out, so they're signing replacement players. 
Um, and in an effort to stay afloat, they do finally allow Kyrie to play road games. Um, and January 5th is his first game back. Kyrie looks very good coming back, and I think a large part of that is because he doesn't have to play every day, so <laughs> he's a little fresher um, and just more time to prep game to game. But then on only 10 days later, on January 15, 2022, uh, Kevin Durant sprains his MCL and ends up missing 21 games. Um, at this point in the season, the Nets were actually 27-15, and 15. And they were the two seed in the East. So it's not like they weren't playing well, even with everything going on, even with no Kyrie to then part-time Kyrie to then pissed off Harden. Um, so Harden starts to get angry. I think a lot of it is probably due in large part to Kyrie Irving being so flaky. Um, but at that point, he's just totally mailing it in. There's rumors he wants to be traded. He denies the rumors, but... Um, we all know what ends up happening. His his last game he ends up playing for the, the Nets is February 2nd, 2022, which was really rock bottom for this team and him. Uh, they lost to the 19-34 and 34 Kings by double digits. It was their sixth loss in a row at, the, at that point. That ended up being a 10-game losing streak. They are just plummeting down the standings from the 2 seed down into the play-in area. Um, Harden finishes 2-for-11 with only 4 points in that game despite being advertised as healthy at the time. They end up just sitting him out, um, telling him to <laughs> not play. Um, and then on February 10th, the trade deadline um, in 2022, there is very mixed reports whether he's going to be traded or not. I know Woj is sitting there saying that it, the deal's not close. We've got guys like uh, Windhorse saying that it is close, and then Shams breaks it that Harden is traded to the Sixers. Uh, along with Paul Millsap for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. Um, so this ends the, <laughs> the Harden era in Brooklyn, and Harden, Kyrie, and Durant end up playing a whopping total of 16 games together in the span of a little bit over a year. So that is just remarkable, um, whether because injuries or um, the vaccine stuff or just being away from the team. I mean, there was just a number of things that prevented them from all playing together, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be one of the biggest failed experiments we've seen in terms of just uh, lack of games actually played together. But whatever, they, they move on from Harden and then they get in Simmons who has not played a single game all year for the Sixers. Um, that was, deemed to be because he was just holding out and didn't want to play for them so the initial thought is okay he'll be able to come back help the nets this year but in actuality he tweaked something while trying to ramp up and also i think he probably just wasn't good mentally but he ends up not playing a single game for the nets at all they end up getting swept by the celtics after reports that simmons might come back he does not the nets are undermanned they're bad defensively without simmons um they're playing a bunch of old point guards next to Kyrie and kd and so they fall short this is when things really start to spiral though um on may 11th uh 2022 sean marks uh holds a press conference where he makes some interesting comments about Kyrie and just the team overall 
throws shade at Kyrie uh, without actually name dropping, but just says that he wants guys on the team that are going to put the team first, that are going to be present, that want to be a part of the team, uh, that <laughs> uh, the team is bigger than themselves. A lot of things along those lines, which were very clearly shots at Kyrie, which was a little shocking to see him be so public about that. Despite not name dropping, I mean, everyone knew what he was saying. Then June 20th rolls around, and the Nets, the Nets opt to not extend Kyrie, and they actually allow him to seek a sign-and-trade. There are rumors that there's a number of teams that are interested between the Mavericks and the Lakers, but uh, the Heat as well may be. However, no team pulls a trigger. They're a little scared off by his recent antics. Um, and so the, no deal gets done. And then on the 27th of June, Kyrie ends up opting back into his deal. A lot of people speculated this meant that, oh, everything's fine. They're going to run it back. But then three days later, on June 30th, Kevin Durant requests a trade. So clearly that was not the case. I believe Kyrie just ran out of options, um, didn't want to decline. There was rumors he would decline and accept a, the mid-level exception with the Lakers because that's all they could afford. But I don't think anyone thought that was actually ever going to happen. But... Durant requests a trade, naming Phoenix and Miami as his top two destinations. But the Nets basically are pretty set on not uh, settling for an underpay. They are not going to just trade him for nothing. He's got four years left on his deal because of the extension that he signed, which I'm sure Durant is probably regretting at this point. Um, <laughs> but... It makes sense. Uh, they they can't find a partner because they really have no leverage because everyone knows he, was, he wants out. It's It's been a shit show there. So Then on August 8th, he takes it to the next level, says that he wants the Nets to fire Sean Marks and Steve Nash if he's going to stay. Uh, Joe Sy then backs up his GM and coach saying that that's not going to happen. Uh, then on August 23rd, this thing is still playing out, but... Durant essentially rescinds his trade requests, at least for now. Uh, he has a meeting with the, the team, and they come to some sort of agreement. I, obviously, we'll never know exactly what uh, they discussed. But, yeah, for, for now, he's he's going to stay. He's going to play for Brooklyn. Um, they start the season uh, not well, I'll say that. <laughs> um, their defense just looks atrocious. Ben Simmons looks like a total shell of himself. Uh, zero confidence whatsoever and then on october 27th of this year Kyrie tweets out a link to a movie um that i think at first people were not entirely sure what it was but after a few days of it being up on his twitter account uh, people discover that it's an extremely inaccurate film um, a lot of uh falsehoods and um Things that are just based out of anti-Semitism. So the <laughs> social media is not happy about that. So just two days later on the 29th, he is asked about promoting the movie by um, a reporter uh, in Brooklyn. This escalates into basically a shouting match about the semantics of what it means to promote something instead of just denying it, saying he was sorry or uh, maybe shouldn't have done it. He talks about what promoting really means and if he promoted it and yeah 
it, it's a shouting match. He's talking over him. It, it gets pretty ugly. Um, and then at this point, the Nets are 2-5. and five. They're really struggling. And so on November 1st, they fire Steve Nash. Uh, Jacques Vaughn is named the interim coach. And then there are rumors that Ime Yudoka will be his um, imminent replacement um, even though he is currently suspended from the Celtics for a year for a, a sex scandal with a subordinate coach. Because <laughs> what better way to get rid of drama than adding a uh, <laughs> coach with uh, sexual misconduct allegations. So. But <laughs> And the, the, this is to the point where the Celtics are willing to let him walk for nothing. Which makes you think that one, either it's it's worse than people think, or two, maybe it could just be a cover from the Celtics saying like, "Hey, we're not going to use take advantage of um, the situation that these victims had to go through to get co- draft compensation or something like that." Probably more of the latter, but uh, who knows? Then, just two days later, still no coach named, but November third, Kyrie finally meets with the media again after Mark said that the, he was going to take a break from having availability. He is berated with questions about the film and the tweet after he had basically doubled down on Twitter uh, as well. He's asked extremely explicitly if he is sorry, if he agrees with what is said, and he pretty much says everything except a formal apology, does not say sorry, does not say that he doesn't agree with the anti-Semitic views in the film. He does not acknowledge them as anti-Semitic. He does not acknowledge himself as not anti-Semitic. So it is just, it's a bad look. And before the end of that night, he gets suspended for a minimum of five games by the Nets um, away from the team. And they've since come out and said that there's a list of, I believe, six things that he needs to do before he can play again. Um, I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but I believe he has to um, meet with um, Jewish leaders. He's got to meet with um, Josiah or uh, um, Adam Silver just to show that he clearly is sorry. He's got to formally say sorry. (laughs) He's got to sit out five games. He's got to donate. Uh, some amount of money. I don't know. There's a lot of things. I think there was since like training and stuff. I don't know. There's stuff on there that he's got to do. And um, based on some of the things that I've heard, it sounds like it's not something that's going to take uh, no time. So I think five games is probably gen- uh, would be a little generous. So probably going to be more than that. But since then, uh, Udoka still has not been hired. Uh, there's been reports that there's been some pushback internally from uh, particularly women within the Nets organization, which makes some sense. Probably not, not only is it not good PR for them to hire him, but probably just not good to add another thing to have to talk to media about and worry about. And then since Nash has been fired, they're two and two. Um, so they're currently four and seven, and they are the 27th ranked defense in the league. They lost last night to the Mavericks on a Luka Doncic um, performance and a Kevin Durant missed free throw at the end of the game. So The Nets are not in a good spot. I want to talk through a few of these things real quick, though. 
starting off with the Steve Nash firing. I know there was a lot of people saying that this was a little unfair, but I'm going to kind of ride both sides here. I think that there are a lot of reasons why it is fair and a lot of reasons why it's not fair. I think it is fair because he just, I'm not sure I saw anything that told me he was a good coach. He, if you watch games, he would just kind of get caught standing watching at times. There were no clear adjustments made um, game to game. He clearly couldn't handle the personalities of a big team. I mean, I've heard guys like Raja Bell come out and talk who played with him in Phoenix and just say he was more of a lead by example guy, not really a guy who's going to get in your face, command uh, the room verbally. So that's tough when you've got guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, two of the most outspoken uh, personalities across the league playing together. And then probably, I mean, this is probably the biggest thing. Their defense has just been atrocious. They're 20, they were 23rd in the league in 2021. They were 19th in 2022 and 27th this year. And before you say it's a personnel thing, they were ninth best the year before he got there in 2020. And so, so they clearly had something going. I know a lot of, I know they, they lost guys like Jared Allen or whatever, but I'm just saying they were one of, if not the worst defensive team across the entire league in this three years or two plus year span. And they're probably among the absolute bottom in 27th this year overall. And, they also weren't utilizing Simmons well. I don't know if it's a Simmons thing or a Nash thing. I'm, but I, I don't feel like he was using him particularly well. He wasn't, but, and that's the thing. Like he's not getting in his face saying like, "Dude, shoot the layup." Like, <laughs> stop looking away from the basket. So, I don't know. I, I personally was. A, I mean, I went in assuming Nash would probably be pretty good, but I think pretty quickly I was a skeptic, and I don't think there's any reason to think that that wasn't a fair stance to have just based on what we saw out of him. He certainly wasn't elevating the team um, or managing the personalities as well as we've seen other guys around the league do. But there's obviously a lot of reasons why it's unfair. I think probably the biggest one is that in 2021, there's a real chance that they end up winning the championship if there are no injuries. They had the best offense in the NBA, um, and I think ever at the time, based on offensive ratings. Um, they destroyed the Celtics in the first round. They were so close to going up 3-0 on the Bucks, and they nearly beat them in seven, even without Kyrie or a 100% James Harden. They definitely would have beaten the Hawks, and they could have beaten the Suns if... Um, even one of Harden or Kyrie were 100%. If both of them were, I think they pretty handily would have beaten the Suns. So. Obviously, if they win it that year, this plays out totally differently. Sure, Kyrie maybe still has the vaccine thing, but then I doubt Harden ends up wanting to leave. I bet Kyrie, they could have probably shipped him out if, if they needed to. But when you win, it normally cures everything. So I don't think that any i won't say any of this but a lot of this would have been avoided had they just won 
additionally, they were really good when Durant's played. I mean, they were the two seed in 2021 despite him missing a lot of time. And then they were sitting at the two seed when he got hurt in 2022, even though they ended up falling to the seven seed. But they've been good. And then even with all the injuries and stuff going on, um, he ended up having a 94-67 record, which is good for 48 win pace. Not phenomenal, but given that Durant has played... 90 games in two in the two years that's not bad i mean he's missing half the season so they're basically a 50 win team um also no one could have seen the Kyrie stuff coming i don't think any coach is gonna be able to handle this well in any capacity and then just really the whole thing has been a shit show but if you ask me i think the firing was probably the right decision even though a lot of people are saying it was not the right move i just don't think Steve Nash is a phenomenal coach, and even if he is a decent coach, I don't think he's right for this team right now. Like, if we're looking objectively, should they keep him or not keep him? What good does keeping him do? He's clearly not commanding this this team or locker room right now. But in terms of his replacement, Yudoka, I do not think they should hire him. I just think that the last thing they need is another piece of drama like that there's plenty of other options out there i mean they could <laughs> probably not happen never mind i was gonna say they could bring atkinson back but i i doubt he doesn't even wants to go there but there's other guys out there i mean i know mark jackson's name gets floated around a lot i have no idea why it always is and then he never gets hired but i don't know i wonder if they'd be able to poach a guy like popovich probably not at this point based on how shitty they've been but I, I i always thought before the nash hire that that could be an option but i i do doubt it now but i don't know even just sticking with jacques Vaughn the rest of the year i think it's not a bad idea um i think mike d'antoni could be an option as well if they at least <laughs> end up getting i i don't know i i think jacques Vaughn's probably just the best option because they who knows what this team's going to look like. And the last thing you want to do is hire Mike D'Antoni and then you end up having to trade all your good players. And then Mike D'Antoni is just not the guy you want on a rebuilding team. So, But uh, from a Kyrie standpoint, I don't know if he will play for the Nets again. I think it's probably... I think probably he will, but... I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't play again. And next year, I have no idea where he's going to end up. He's certainly not going to be back in Brooklyn. But I don't even know what team would want him. I think maybe someone like the Heat might take a chance on him if if they think their infrastructure can handle him and his personality and whatnot. I think the Lakers don't even want him anymore. I know that was talked about for a while, but who knows? I... <laughs> I mean, before the whole before he sent out his Instagram apology, I was thinking he might not even play again ever. <laughs> so, if I were the Nets, though, I probably just wouldn't even play him. I don't know if I'd send him home, like just tell him not to come or wave him, but probably just send him home because you got to pay him either way. And then if you wave him, a team could sign him potentially, and then maybe it hurts you down the road. I don't know. Regardless, I I don't think he should probably play for them again if they want like him coming back is just like they're not good enough even with him to be anything but like a first round playoff exit they just don't have the defensive personnel 
they've got too many injuries. They've got injury prone guys like guys like TJ Warren looked like a good signing and he's literally like hasn't played a game. Um, Durant has been really injury prone. You've got um, Patty Mills is super old. Seth Curry's barely played. Joe Harris is playing, but he's a, a shell of himself. He's just been really bad. Simmons has missed games now, and he is just, I don't even know what's up with him. He clearly, mentally, is just not in a place to contribute to any sort of winning team right now. And then that brings us to the elephant in the room. That is Kevin Durant, probably the... <laughs> The single only thing that's even gone relatively well for this team over the past three years is got to be Kevin Durant because he's still playing at a super high level. He doesn't have drama, except for whenever. I mean, I'm not even going to consider the trade request drama because I think anyone would have asked for that at that point. But to be honest, I think they should revisit the the trade stuff because. If you're looking from his perspective, what the hell are you doing here? You've only got so many years left in your career. And I just don't, like, he's 34 now. He's got three years left after this year on his contract. Is he, you think he's waiting out till he's 37 on this team? Like, there's just no way in hell that he's gonna stay. It's over. Like, the, the experiment's over. Anyone would have done it. Anyone would have signed Kyrie and Kevin Durant. You, if you can sign them, you do whatever you're gonna, you have to do to do it. If you can get James Harden and keep those two and put a competent team around them, you do it every time as well. So I'm not saying they've necessarily made bad moves. It is not necessarily the organization's fault. I actually, I actually don't fault Sean Marks at all. I think he's been like one of the only good things for this team. I think every move he made was not only defensible, but the smart move that any sh good GM should have made. I think the players and to some extent the coach let them down, but mostly the players. It's just a, a bad a bad investment in the wrong players basically, which as I said, I don't think you can fault Sean Marks for that. But the experiment's over, it's a failure. There's zero percent chance that they contend this year. It just won't happen. Even if Kyrie came back and behaved, even if Simmons could play a little bit better. It's just not happening. It's not happening. They've got no size. Claxton is the only even playable big man they have, but they've got no assets to trade. They have no picks to trade. They've got no one of value that they could trade other than Durant. And I mean, honestly, just Durant. Because. <laughs> What no one's gonna take Kyrie. Even if you behave the whole rest of the year, he's not. No one would take him. Simmons, no one would take him. He could come back and average fifteen, eight and eight like he used to, and I still don't think you'd get many takers on him. But I don't think that's gonna happen because he uh, <laughs> he's just been awful. I mean, even defensively, that was I was high on the Nets coming into this year because I thought at the very worst Ben Simmons would be an all-defensive type player that is not doing much on offense. But he hasn't even been that. He's just been a huge negative. Like, Royce O'Neal's been better than him. Um, and it's not like Royce O'Neal's been very good either. So, it's a mess. They got to trade Durant. I don't know. 
if they need to necessarily do it right away. I probably wait a little bit just because it is still really early. I mean, they're four and seven, but I also think that with the um, deadlines coming up of December fifteenth, January fifteenth, where more guys can get traded, I think it makes more sense to wait till then. I mean, we saw the Harden thing um, started early in the season, but and then he didn't end up getting traded till January so I wouldn't be surprised if it's more around that timeline I also think for example a guy like DeAndre Ayton can be traded in January so um, that could open a potential partner up for the Nets in that sort of trade but I have no idea what kind of return they'd want I think before they were looking for more competitive guys um, to keep the team good or at least decent I don't think that I think one, a lot of those guys aren't going to be on the table now because they've got like no leverage whatsoever. And two, I I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world for them to actually just go for more of a picks package because sure they've got these swaps with the Rockets like this year for I think this year's a swap with the Rockets, but the Rockets stink, man. They're they suck. They're bottom of the West, and what have you seen at all that would make you think that that wouldn't continue so like let's say the rockets are a bottom three team and the nets are the sixth worst team it's like well you still get to keep the sixth pick <laughs> like as long as the rockets are still bad a swap doesn't even hurt you that much because what are you swapping your bad pick for their also bad pick so uh, obviously in the years where they just owe houston the pick it's it's a little different but at least for this this upcoming year um if they can trade Durant and yeah, I don't know. They could get a top three pick. So I still think they're going to want some talent back. You've heard my spiels before on the overvaluing of draft picks, but um, yeah, I think it's over. I think it's a failure. I think only the Clippers could rival them for how bad this turns out. If Kawhi ends up being bad, but I think just given everything that's happened, this has got to be worse, but, like I said, everyone would have done it 10 out of 10 times. I would have done it. But I think that they've got to just own it, acknowledge that it failed, and move on from there. That'll do it for today's episode. Um, thank you so much for listening to my spiel on the Nets. <laughs> As I said, we're about 10-ish games into the season for most teams. So uh, my next podcast will be just an early season observations, reactions, um, pulse check on a, on a couple of teams. I know the Warriors have been a little surprisingly not very good, whereas teams like the Jazz have been very surprisingly very good. <laughs> so we'll touch on that, uh, a bunch of other teams as well. But until then, thank you again for listening, and I will chat with you soon.